man, 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 man. Come on now. Some, at 9.30 a.m., it's hard to have energy, isn't it? It's hard to be excited for anything. But, uh, man, we're excited that you're here this morning. And uh, can we give them a big hand because we want them to do this next week. We're excited. Man, next week, next week they, um, we're actually going to give away something big. We're going to actually give away something really big. Now, now that camel hat didn't look like much, but I know there's some people in here who want that camel hat. They're going to stay for next service. They're going to be really excited jumping on their chair trying to get a little gift. But, uh, you know, you may not know this, but one of our values at Luminous Church is have fun. Have fun. Now, that fun is an important part of the Christian faith that we believe we believe. Um, this very much so is that if you can't have fun in church, where are you going to have fun? And we also believe this, that if we don't create fun, then you're just going to seek fun in other opportunities and other venues and other ways, right? And what I found in my life is it, it created this bipolar or, or maybe this contradiction of an individual because they, they had fun on the weekend and then they were stoic on, in the morning. And we call it out of reverence. But how many know that you can still be reverent and still have fun and still be excited and still bring your Christian walk? And so so it may look a little differently in here at Luminous Church. It may look different than maybe what you grew up in, but that's one of our values. So tell your neighbor, have fun this morning. <laughs> tell your other neighbor, you better have fun. That's right. Hey, I'm excited about this series, Hashtag The Real Deal. We kicked it off last Easter, and uh, it's really exciting to see what God is doing in our church um, through this series. And, and we just, uh, at the end of the day, at the end of this series, is we just want to let you know that you're worth it. You're worth it. You're worth, you're worth all the weight in gold. It was our, was our theme last, last week is you're worth all the weight in gold. You're worth every ounce and every price that Jesus paid to redeem you from the grave. You are worth it. You're worth it. And that's exciting. I want you to know that you are worth it. And we're going to talk about um, the real deal today. And we're going to talk about somebody who, who believed in Jesus as being the real deal. So if you have your Bibles turned, Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 and 7 is where we'll be this morning, and, and I'm excited about this. You know, the greatest deals almost seem too good to be true. Have you found that to be true? Like, anybody invest in Bitcoin? Don't raise your hand. Uh, yeah, I, I know that you may be, you may be kicking yourself, but, but like, it's, it's just too good to be true. I mean, how, how could something grow by 10,000%? How can, how can five pennies, you know, make you a billionaire? You know, how, how does this stuff happen? If, it, if it's too good to be true, then maybe it is. And I found that to be in life. And, and our vision of this year is to win the city. Now, I've talked about this because it seems almost arrogant, uh, a vision like that for a church our size. But, but that's been our heart is to win the city. Now, now, does that mean we're going to win the whole city? Does that mean that everybody's going to come to salvation in Jesus? No. No, they're not through this church. It's going to take multiple churches. It's going to take CBC who had 40,000 at Easter. It's going to take, you know, our church, you know, as well. It's going to take all these churches coming together. And I believe the body of Christ is called to win the city. I believe that that's our heartbeat. I believe that that's what we are called to do. Proverbs 11:30. He who wins souls is wise. It's a wise thing to win souls. Actually, the wisdom of this life, if you were to live your life in such a way that would be wise, it would be to win others, to win others and, and, and not just win them for your agenda or your sake, but win them 
for the kingdom. Win them for what God has set up and established. And, and so we set out how are we going to win the city? How are we going to be the real deal? How are we going to make good on our deal? So I'm excited. We have a map back here. And after service, you can go visit this map. But what we did is we set out last month and we decided, hey, if we're going to win the city, we need a war map. That's, that's kind of weird, right, when talking about war. We need a strategy. We need a map that starts targeting the city. And so we just looked up every laundromat, and we just pinned it. We just pinned it with red pins on that map. We, we've targeted different neighborhoods, red pins. And you'll see more and more red pins go up on that map as God gives you a heart maybe for something. Maybe it's your workplace. Maybe it's the school that you attend or wherever it may be. Just go ahead and put a red marker on that. And as you go and share the gospel of Jesus, as you go with no strings attached to share the love of God with people, then you're going to replace that red pin with a white heart. With a white heart, believing that we're going to cover that map by the end of the year with the good news. Believing there's going to be white hearts all over that place. And so you'll notice after service, there's a couple of hearts there. And we went to some laundry mats a couple of weeks ago, and, and we decided that we want to be the real deal. We, we want to just live it. We don't want to just talk it, right? We want to actually proclaim it. And so, so what we did is we went to laundry mats with no strings attached, went to go pay for people's laundry. We, uh, we know that people are in a laundromat for a lot of different reasons, right? Maybe their washer and dryer broke. Anybody can attest to that, you know? You know maybe, maybe you moved and you relocated. Maybe you live in an apartment complex that doesn't have a washer and dryer. There's multiple reasons you're in a laundromat. But what we realize is, hey, we got them. They're there for an hour. Except now that the washer and dryers, they like do super fast laundry. It's like 10 minutes. It's crazy. And so we, we got you. Now we get to love you. Now we get to love you ridiculously well and start a conversation. It's not just a hi or a buy at the checkout line. It's not just a hi or a buy as you're crossing paths at work or whatever it may be. You actually get a real conversation with somebody. So I just, we went in there. Hey, I want to pay for your laundry. Oh, what? You know, like, what's the catch? No catch. Literally, no catch. Wouldn't tell you about Jesus. We're going to invite you to our church. But you're not obligated to do any of that. Just let us pay for your laundry. Okay, I'll do it. And it's amazing because oftentimes when we do this, we get the response. And I think the gospel brings about this response is that, that you begin to, when you tell somebody about ridiculous love, they can't help but ridiculously cry. You know, it's like they start, they start receiving it. I, I, I didn't think I was worthy of this today. It's amazing what $10 can do. It's amazing what it can do. It's amazing what a $5 gift card does with three kids running around and, and coffee. It's just like, whoa, no strings attached, nothing, nothing. And so we believe in that. And we believe that God's going to add to our number. But more importantly, we pray that he adds to his number. He adds to the kingdom number, the, the, the souls that are being saved in the city, being reached and proclaimed. With the gospel of Jesus Christ, the hope for humanity. He is the hope for humanity. So we look at it and we're like, man, it's just too good to be true. Jesus in chapter Luke chapter 6, he was saying his greatest sermon ever. It was the Sermon on the Mount. You may remember it. Maybe from the Beatitudes or, or whatever it may be that, that you remember this in Sunday school. But, but I want to take a moment to just to read what Jesus' charge was to his church and his people. In verse 27, 
We'll pick it up there. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. From one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. As you wish that others would do to you, so do to them. Jesus was challenging us to the core. How many of you just read that and you're like, if somebody says my stuff, I'm going to get it back. If somebody slaps me, they're getting punched. You know, it's like, it's like whatever happens to me, there's going to be a greater consequence for violating myself, right, in whatever way. And I'm going to make sure and attest to that. And some of us have done that, not, not just physically, but we've done it emotionally. You've emotionally been violated. You emotionally, somebody's come up against you and you said, well, I'm going to emotionally take it out on them. I'm going to put up these walls. I'm going to stonewall them when they say hi to me in the break room. I'm going to do something that would begin to, to, to make some amends for the offense that I just went. And Jesus holds us to a great deal, doesn't he? He holds us to this deal of perfection. I want you to make a deal with the world that is perfect in every sense. I want you to make a deal with the world that, that if, if there's anything that comes against you, that you're above that. I'll, I'm going to do that. I want you to live that. Now, obviously, we'll fall short of this, right? We're going to fall short of this deal. Somebody punched me in, in, in the face, I'll probably punch them back, or at least say a cuss word, you know? Like, I'm going to do something, right? So, so all of us do this, and we know this. And, and what I love about this is that, that Jesus is the real deal. He is the real deal. And when he preached from the platform, that his life outside the platform Lit was exactly what he preached. It mirrored the platform. And, and it's challenging because I'm going to just tell you this. As I'm preaching the real deal, I realize, man, my life doesn't mirror this. My life does not mirror this. I, I, I want to preach it. And, and they will teach you this in, in seminary or sermon writing class that, that whatever you preach up here, you better be living it out there. Yeah, you mean no. It's like, whoa, that's tough, you know. Like my wife and I fight, you know, I disciplined my kid wrongly this week, you know, and, and et cetera, et cetera. And, and so we fall short and short. But Jesus, Jesus could preach this message because he lived out this message. He lived it out. He was perfect in every way. He, he was without sin. He lived it out fully. Let's pick up in 32. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to give back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be the sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your father is merciful. He's saying, I want you to start emulating me on this earth. I want you to be kind 
to those who are evil. I want you to be grateful for those who are needy, those consumers in our society. I want, I want you to put about gratefulness and thankfulness. I want you to live in a different way. I want you to love like I love. I want you to love greater. I want you, I want to love, I want you to love in such a way that, that it's really going to be impossible on your own strength. Jesus is calling us to do something that is not possible in our own humanity, in our own strength. He's challenged us and he's taken us to the next level, to the next level. So the real deal is higher than expected if you're taking notes. The real deal is higher than expected. It's, it's higher than our expectation. It costs more than we really realize. It's called us to a higher living. It's called us to the in sync, no strings attached. Remember that life? Um, so come on, somebody. Come on, 90s. Somebody resurrect that. He's raised the bar. He's raised the bar so high. He, he's starting to say, I want you to start loving this way with, with no strings attached. I want you to come, and I don't want you to just be a consumer, but I want you to start being a giver. When you come to church, I want you to start hugging somebody you don't know. I want you to start having a conversation. I want you to start loving people. I want you to open the door for your wife. Man, come on, can we resurrect that too? Come on, somebody. I, I want you to start doing these things. I, I, want you to start, I want you to start raising it up. I want you to start, start loving like, like no one has loved before. And Jesus didn't just set this high expectation. But he started walking it out. Jesus finishes the sermon in Luke chapter 7, the Sermon on the Mount. In Luke chapter 7, 1, after he had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Capernaum is where Jesus resided. During his ministry, he would often return back to Capernaum. It was about 1,500 people was the population. And in Capernaum, this is where he, he picked up probably Matthew, the tax collector. He, he was probably well known in Capernaum. It, it was a great community, a fishing community. It's probably where he, he got the, the disciples who were fishing. And, and it, this is where he returns. And in verse 2, now a satyrian had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent him to, sent him to the elders of the Jews, asked him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. He, he is worthy of this, Jesus. Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent his friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I, too, am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to the other, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things. He marveled at him. And turning to the crowd, because wherever Jesus went, there was this crowd following him. He said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. The real deal doesn't only talk the talk, but it walks the walk. The real deal walks it out. 
it walks it out. And we see two at play. We see, we see the centurion who, who believed in the real deal, believed that Jesus was who he says he was, believed all this. And we see Jesus being the real deal, Jesus walking it out. And when the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent, him, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. He said, come and heal my servant. He believed that Jesus could do this. He believed that Jesus was able to do this, that the impossible could be possible. Centurion believed this as, as his servant was laying in Matthew's 8's account of it. It says the servant laid paralyzed, couldn't even move. He walked it out. He walked it out. He walked it out by going to the source. He walked it out by going to Jesus who could, who would, who was willing. In Galatians 5, 25, we read about this. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. If we are to walk out the real deal, we must be obedient. We must start taking steps of what Jesus has called us to do, of what Jesus has called us to walk. We must be obedient by listening to the Spirit every day. Holy Spirit, where, where do you want me to go today? Holy Spirit, how do you want me to live today? Holy Spirit, what do I do on this work project today? Holy Spirit, there is something impossible before me. I need the God of the possible to help bring clarity and wisdom. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a fifth grade teacher and my kids are going crazy right now and I can't get a hold of the classroom. I need some wisdom from the Holy Spirit. We need wisdom each and every day. We need to walk it out and we need to go to the source. You see, the centurion could have called the doctors. He could have gave some words of comfort. He could have done some stuff like this. But what did he do? He tapped into the source. He tapped into the Jesus who just out of the mount, uh, off of the mount, said that, that I'm going to love people. I'm going to go the extra mile for people. I'm going to help people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go the extra mile. And as he comes down from that, as he comes down from going higher, he goes even higher in this moment. By living it fully. The real deal is worthy and yet humble. The real deal is worthy and yet humble. And when they came, verse 4, to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him. For he loves our nation and he is the one who built us our synagogue. Jesus went with them, and when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent his friends, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. You have all of his friends saying, this man is worthy. He is worthy. He built our church in our city. He has done so much for us. This Roman soldier who could have been a tyrant, he could have done whatever he wanted in that town, was a person who fell in love with the people that he resided with. That is, that is interesting. That's fascinating to know, is that he started falling in love with Capernaum. He started falling in love with this nation. He had a heart for the people of God. And so he started meeting their needs. And, and people said, this guy's worthy. If anybody's worthy of a healing, it's this guy. This guy is worthy. This guy, he's done it all. He's walked the walk. He's talked the talk. He's lived it. And then what does the centurion say? I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. So on one hand, you have everybody saying, they're so worthy. And then the centurion saying, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Isn't it amazing that he didn't let pride get in the way of his miracle? He didn't let pride get in the way of what God wanted to do in his life. 
They, they, he humbled himself. He recognized who Jesus was. He recognized everything about Jesus. And, and I don't think this was a false humility. From what I understand through the scripture, it wasn't like, oh, I'm just not worthy, you know. So it wasn't to coerce Jesus to work on his behalf. No, it was proper positioning. Proper positioning. If you want to be humble, get in the proper position. If you want God to start hearing you and hearing your cry and, and, and see faith move, the, the setup to faith is proper positioning. In 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. I will forgive their sin and I'll heal their land if you humble yourself. You see, this, it was this humility that started tapping into Jesus' listening. If you want Jesus' ear, I'm telling you, you're going to have to die to your agenda because your agenda oftentimes will speak louder than what he wants to say. So this is what Jesus begins to do, or what the centurion begins to do, proper positioning. And it's not a false humility, it's a real humility because he recognized who Jesus was. And who Jesus is. And the real deal honors faith. The real deal honors faith. For I too am a man set under authority, verse 8, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go. And he goes. And to another, come. And he comes. And to my servant, do this. And he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And turning the crowd and followed him, said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. That Jesus begins to marvel at this faith. What was this faith that the centurion had that we so desired to emulate? He had a faith that understood authority. And the faith begins to work if you understand proper authority. Faith begins to work in such a way as he was in a man of authority. He realized, if I tell this man do this, he's going to do it. If I tell this person to go there, they're going to go there. If I ask this person to clean this, they're going to clean that. He, he understood that and they obeyed. It's much like what we do with our credit card. If I swipe this thing, it's going to work. You know, if we, we got denied a few times, then we little have a little less faith in the plastic, right? Anybody else? All right. Having this faith, having this faith in something that just works when you say. Having this blind faith of believe that it's just going to work because you understand authority. For those who have a credit card, they understand economics. They understand debt-to-income ratios. They understand that if I begin to swipe this, it's going to work and I can purchase that. It carries some authority, just like the centurion. He carried some authority. When he said go, people went. When he said do, people did. And that's what authority is. And so he knew that Jesus was from a higher kingdom. A kingdom that was greater than his kingdom. A kingdom that he was sent from. And when Jesus said something, it happened. When Jesus said to do this, to rise up, to walk, to see, to hear that your sins are forgiving, it happened. Because he understood authority. He understood who his father is. And in John 14, 13. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You ask, may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. 
I will do it. Ask of me. Understand authority. How many of you ever approach Jesus and you approach it like the credit card that's not going to work? Like, I don't know if it's going to work. Hey, can you just enter in the numbers? Because I don't, I think something's wrong with the swiper, you know? How many of us done that? Or, or maybe, maybe you've been in a position and, and you hesitantly moved. I'm asking you to just expand your faith a little bit today. This week, could we just grow our faith just a little bit by understanding that, that King Jesus is on the throne, making intercession for you and me, that he's paid the, paid the price, and he has all authority. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to him. Why wouldn't we go to him? Why wouldn't we ask him for the wisdom that we need for daily living? For the love that I don't have in here when somebody slaps me on the cheek. For the, for the second time my car got broken into in San Antonio. And I just need to quit looking for the perpetrator. You know, like, God, just forgive him, bless him. But not falsely, really. Like, Jesus, that's my faith that you supply all my riches according to your riches and glory. All my needs will be provided for because you are rich and you have much. And my love tank is going to be filled up. And so I don't have to look to my husband or my wife. I don't have to look for that to fill my love tank. I don't have to look at my kids to fill my bucket, as my wife in first grade would say, fill your bucket every day. I don't have to look that because Jesus can fill your bucket because he is more than enough. He's more than adequate, and he said he would do it. He will do it. No greater faith has been observed than this in all of Israel because the centurion stepped out in faith knowing that the authority that Jesus carried, that if he asked and Jesus wanted to, Jesus could. That's amazing. Ian Bounds says this. The church is looking for better methods, but God is looking for better men and better women with bigger faith, larger faith, that our faith would increase through our prayer life. Our faith would increase for the things that we're believing God for. Whatever storm that you are in right now, start having faith. Start putting some faith behind it. Start believing God is going to be in control. Centurion said, I've built a lot, but I'm not worthy. So what did he do? Not set his eyes on his circumstance, but set his eyes on the things above. Colossians 3.2 says this, set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. Could we be a people? Could we be a church? Could you bring this to your workplace, your family, your environment, to start setting your eyes on the things above. Start setting your eyes on Jesus, who's the author and finisher of our faith. You know, as a result of one man's faith, another man was healed. I want to just tell you that you don't live just for you. You're not doing this just for you. You're not just doing this to make yourself better. And in a generation of selfies and a generation of um, your own fit Instagram and your own health Instagram and everything else and, and, and the generation of look at me, you're not doing it for you. It's not just for you, but it's for others. You see, the faith of the centurion, it wasn't just for him, but it was for his servant. And the way that you live your life is for the other people around you. 
The way you live your life is to bring other people the hope. The way that you see Jesus' authority and rule over your life, other people will get the generosity and the spillover of just that. Would you stand with me this morning as I close and pray for us? I just want to encourage you this morning, first service, 930, waking up, that we could just enlarge our faith. Would you do me a favor, if you're willing, just close your eyes. I, I would love just a posture of prayer because there's so many easy distractions in this room from the fact that we're positioned in a way where we can see each other's reaction during the sermon or worship or whatever it may be. But I want us to just th close our eyes and I want us to set our mind and our eyes on the things above. What, what, what is Jesus to you? Is Jesus the one carrying authority? Is he the one walking it out? Is he the one who's lived it? Is he the one with no strings attached? Is he the one who brought love in a loveless situation? Does Jesus reign on the throne in your life or is he reigning somewhere else? Is he reigning on the sidelines? I just, would you just fix your eyes on Jesus? Jesus, we're asking that you would just open our mind right now to see the right positioning. Because we know, God, as you're properly positioned, we in suit will properly position by getting on our knees and saying we're not worthy, but knowing that you carry all authority. Father, I just ask, God, anybody who's dealing with a situation, believing for the impossible, we're asking, Holy Spirit, that you would just move in great ways. God, come to their situation. Come to our situation. In Jesus' name, amen.